Once again, good morning and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. We're still in our series entitled, Why? It's one of those questions, one of those words, it's only three letters long, but it's asked a lot. From little kids on up to adults, we ask why. And there's a bunch of why questions. We're certainly we're not covering all of them exclusively or extensively, but we've looked at a few. Why don't I always feel God? We spent a little bit of time on that. Why doesn't God answer my prayers? Questions that many times people ask. In future weeks, we'll be looking at why do bad things happen to good people? That, that might be the number one why question that we hear a lot. But last week, uh, we began this topic about Pentecost. Why Pentecost? In other words, the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the initial physical evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, all these issues and questions about it, we said, why, why Pentecost? And we weren't able to, to cram everything into uh, to one message, so we're going to continue that and, and perhaps complete that this morning. But again, we are looking to conclude our service in some prayer time. So whether you are seeking prayer for needs, whether you are seeking to be prayed for and receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit or, or simply to come forward and to seek God in, in his presence, we're going to be closing our service with the opportunity to do that. So briefly, we'll, we'll go through and we'll kind of rewind or review. If you weren't here last week, this will give you a heads up as to what we've looked at briefly. If you were, well, it, it'll be a good reminder for us as well. How many of you know, after seven days, we don't remember everything? Right? Okay, so, so we're, we're just going to do kind of a brief review, and then we'll continue. So last week, we looked at a number of barriers. What are some barriers towards people seeking the Holy Spirit, towards seeking this thing called Pentecost, towards seeking the baptism in the Holy Spirit? What we saw is that many times there are unhealthy models out there. What, what's been modeled in people's lives or sometimes in churches' lives, and based on some unhealthy models, maybe people desire not to seek after the Holy Spirit. Inaccurate teaching. People not teaching or preaching what God's Word has to say. And as a result, many people have chosen not to seek after the baptism in the Holy Spirit. One of the big ones we saw was lack of motivation. This desire that says, I'm a Christian, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, so I'm good. And many people look at the baptism in the Holy Spirit, this gift of God, and say it's an extra rather than viewing it as an essential. It's nice, but not necessary. So all of those things, and certainly there's others, but there's barriers that keep people from seeking and praying and receiving this gift of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We also answer the question, why Pentecost? One of our first thoughts or answers we spent a balance of our time last week was because we are to wait on God's promise. We said we don't like to wait, but promises are good. And we saw in Acts 1, 4, and 5, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's a gift that the Father has promised. 
Why Pentecost? Because we're to wait for the gift. We spent a little bit of time looking at what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is, what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not. We said that it is not a status symbol. It's not a substitute for growing spiritually. And it's not the same thing as the gift of tongues. And we've experienced the gift of tongues and interpretation in our service just a little bit ago. What is it? It is a second work of the Holy Spirit. It is a gift for all believers. And it is a command. He instructed and commanded his disciples to wait for the gift. Then we looked at the pattern of follow. When when it comes to Pentecost, when it comes to the uh, baptism in the Holy Spirit, a lot of people wonder, well, why and and what and, and how do we know? We briefly said that there were five specific instances in the book of Acts that mention about the giving of this, this gift, this baptism in the Holy Spirit. Three of them are very specific, explicit references, meaning that when the baptism of the Holy Spirit came, they were baptized, and then they spoke in other tongues. They spoke in other languages. Uh, three of them were specific. Two of them we saw were implied. Based on the scriptures and based on the evidence following, we could imply and infer that that's what happened. So based on this pattern of scripture throughout the entire book of Acts, what do we see? We see that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is met with the initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues. And and those were some of the last things we looked at. Initial physical evidence. Initial, it's the first representation first evidence of what's taken place physical it is observable you can see it and hear it It, there's something tangible about it it's not well i feel there's something physical about it and that's what makes it evidence as a result of speaking in other languages speaking in other tongues it's the that initial evidence it's physical evidence But it's evidence. It's tangible evidence. It's not based on what we think or based on what we feel. But there's this result and this response. So those are some of the things we've looked at last week. That's the the quick catch you up to date. So let's continue with why Pentecost. We said last time that it is to wait on God's promise This morning, why Pentecost? Because we are to receive God's power. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. says, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive, what's that next word? All right, now, let, let, let's shout it out. Now, on the count of three, but you will receive again. Like you mean it. Power. Oh, come on now. But you will receive power. Oh, but you will receive power when what? When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Why Pentecost? Not just because it's the gift of God or the promise of God. It's because we are to receive God's power. 
Too often we, we misunderstand the, the purpose of the power or the purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's not just to make us feel good. Although you probably do and you probably will as you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's, it's kind of an exciting, kind of a, a thrilling part to know that you're being baptized in the Holy Spirit, but it's not just for the purpose of feeling good. It's not just to give us that supernatural experience to say, well, I'm, I'm speaking in a, in a language that I don't know. Wow, isn't that cool? It is incredible. It's, it's neat. It's awesome. But that's not the purpose of it. It's not just to have, we, we talked a little bit about this last week, it's not just to say, I got some Holy Ghost goosebumps. Again, it kind of gets back to the feelings. It's not just, wow, something pretty incredible happened and I feel good. That's not the purpose. The purpose, he says, but you will receive goosebumps? No. But you will receive a tingling sensation? No, he says you will receive power. Why Pentecost? We are to receive God's power. So the balance of our time before we then invite you to come and pray and seek God and, and maybe pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit or pray for a healing or guidance or direction, I want to share four brief thoughts about power. Why Pentecost? What's this purpose of power about? Number one, power to be witnesses. Acts 1a, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my what? Witnesses. You'll be my witnesses. Any of you ever been a witness for someone or in the midst of something? Maybe been a, anybody ever been a witness in one of those courtroom settings? If you haven't, that's probably a good thing. But no doubt you have seen a television show, a movie, you've read in the newspapers, when someone is called in as a witness, what does that mean they are? What does that mean that they do? That means that they come in and they testify about what they've seen, heard, and experienced. I'm a witness. I saw something. I heard something. I experienced something. Call me in as a witness. There's witnesses to robberies. There's, there's witnesses to murders. There's witnesses to some of these, these crimes, right? They saw something. They heard something. They experienced something. They are called in as a witness. We're baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's a power to be witnesses. The Holy Spirit's power helps us and transforms us to be a witness for Jesus Christ. He helps us and empowers us to do what? To testify and to share about what we have seen and heard and experienced through the power of God. Now, the disciples, they, they had to realize that in their own strength it wasn't enough. What was the task? He said, you'll receive power and you'll be witnesses to what? Just the person across the street? He said, you'll be my witnesses where? Jerusalem, 
all Judea, Samaria, oh, and the ends of the earth. How many of you think that's a pretty tall task? That, that's, a, that's a pretty tall order. That's a big assignment, right? His instructions to his disciples are the instructions to you and I as disciples. We are to be witnesses. We're to testify about what we've seen and heard and experienced in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's a tall task. Do you and I have it in us that we are just so incredible and so powerful of our own accord that we can do this all on our own? No. I mean, some of you are good, but you ain't that good, right? That's how, that's how it works. I mean, God's gifted and equipped us, and, and, and yes, there, there certainly are some talents in, in and, and through us, but he gives power to be a witness. For these disciples, you begin reading about the book of Acts and seeing the mighty miracles and the things that they were able to do, it wasn't because of them. They were equipped and empowered places that they went and shared and testified as a witness for Christ? Was it always a piece of cake? Was it always smooth sailing to be a testimony and a witness for Jesus Christ? They experienced quite a bit. But they were equipped and empowered of the Holy Spirit. For you and I, we're called to be witnesses. We're called to share what God has done in our lives. He's cleansed. He's purified. He's given us a brand new start. And we can share that message of hope in Jesus Christ with others. Is it sometimes a little scary? Is it sometimes a little nerve-wracking? He can give us the power to be a witness. It's a tall task. It's a tall assignment. But that's part of the power. Power to be a witness. Secondly, it's power to say more than we know. Power to say more than we know. Acts chapter 2, we see the result of the day of Pentecost. Verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is one of those three specific, explicit, you can't miss it scriptures that we talked about last week. When they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, it says that they spoke in other tongues. They spoke in other languages as they were empowered and equipped and as the Holy Spirit enabled them. It was power to say more than they knew. Did they, all of a sudden, in, in just the last, you know, short, brief period of time, did all of these disciples take language study? Language study courses, and all of a sudden, okay, you learn this language, and you learn this language, and, you, and I'll learn this language, and, and we got to learn it by tomorrow. Did they all of a sudden take all these language studies and language classes that they were then able to speak out in all these languages that everybody else could understand? No. 
It was the power of the Holy Spirit that equipped them to speak and to share more than they knew. They spoke in languages they had not learned, they had not studied, but people from the area, people who were from all around said, hey, I know that. I know that they're speaking my language. You ever been in, in places where, where there's a lot of languages being spoken? You know, some of the large cities, large cultural areas. Uh, for us, uh, probably what comes to mind is, is Disney World. A number of years ago, we, we, we took the vacation to Disney World. And, you know, it, it's kind of a melting pot of people from all around the nation. But not just all around the nation. It's literally all around the world who would come to a place like that. So, you know, you're, you're walking uh, uh, the, the park, the theme park, and, and you hear all kinds of languages being spoken. You're standing in line for a ride, and the, the family in front of you is maybe speaking in one language you don't understand. The family behind you is speaking in another language you don't understand. And then you hear all kinds of dialects of the English language. You got East Coast, you got Deep South, you got Midwest, you, you know, you got that, that northern, uh, northern, say, Minnesota, Michigan, you know, all of those. And it's all in one place. In a similar type setting, what we're seeing here is these individuals were baptized in the Holy Spirit, began speaking in other tongues, speaking in other languages, and here's all of these people from all over saying, that's my language. And the person over here says, well, there's this one speaking in my language. How'd you know that? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the power to speak more than they knew. The Holy Spirit equipped them to speak in these languages. And then beyond that, as you continue in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit equipped and helped Peter beyond his natural ability with words. What we read about, Acts chapter 2 and verse 14, Peter boldly stands up. It says, he stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. So the, the day of Pentecost had come. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. They spoke in other languages. All these people are around. Verse 12, before he spoke, here's what they're saying. What does this mean? So they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. The crowd listens. They hear, they hear it and they say, what in the world does this mean? Verse 14, he stands up, addresses the crowd, preaches a sermon, and in verse 37, now they ask, what shall we do? That's power. That's power to speak more than he knows. The Holy Spirit was equipping and enabling him to preach the word of God. Initially, they're saying, well, what in the world is it? What does this mean? What does this represent? He preaches as the Holy Spirit equips and empowers him. And now the people are saying, what do we do? What must we do? And he talks about salvation through Jesus Christ. Why Pentecost? It's power. We're receiving God's power. Power to be his witness. Power to say more than we know. Thirdly, power to do more than we can. Not just 
the equipping and the empowering to say more than we know. When we're baptized in the Holy Spirit and we begin to speak in a language we don't know, we've not learned, we've not studied, not just the, the equipping of our minds and our hearts to be a, a witness and to share Christ and, and maybe to preach or to teach or to share the good news of Jesus Christ. He, he empowers and equips us to speak, but it's also power to do more than we can. He anoints us beyond our natural ability. Again, we've got abilities, we've got gifts, we've got talents and, and things he's given to us, but the anointing of the Holy Spirit helps us even beyond that. I mean, look through the word of God and see that through the power of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, simple, regular, average individuals have been used in mighty, mighty ways of God. It's not because that individual had this incredible and powerful strategy. It is the power of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. You look through some of the Old Testament individuals, Gideon overcoming odds. 300 men defeating 135,000. What were their weapons of choice? Trumpets, clay pots, and lamps. David the shepherd boy overcoming Goliath with slingshot and stone. On and on and on, we see God's empowering, God's equipping, the power of the Holy Spirit, Old Testament, New Testament, able to, to be a witness, able to speak more than we know, able to do more than we can. Paul and Peter, many of the apostles through the book of Acts, we, we read all that they were able to do as they were equipped and empowered of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit was leading and guiding them and in some cases saying to go here. Other, other cases saying to stay away from here and go over here. Equipping and leading and empowering them to do more than they could on their own. This empowering of the Holy Spirit, this isn't for personal benefit, personal blessing to say, wow, look at me. This is for God to use us as that conduit to use us as that tool, if you would, to be a blessing into somebody across the street, across the world. God can use us in some mighty ways, power to do more than we can. It's the power to proclaim Jesus Christ to the world, the Savior of the world. It's a valuable gift. It's not just something that's nice. It's not just something that's extra. It's the gift. It's the promise for every believer. And it's the equipping. It is the empowering. Power to be a witness. Power to speak and to say more than we know. Power to do more than we can. Finally this morning. Power to live pure. Power to live pure. The book of James, James writes about the tongue. And he writes some interesting things. He says that the tongue is our most unruly member. Anybody's tongue ever gotten you into trouble at some point? Said some things you probably shouldn't have. <laughs> Said more things than you probably should have. I mean, the tongue, 
I'm sure at some point we've all had one or, or a whole bunch of those experiences where you say something and it's almost like you can see those words just going into outer space and you're wanting to take a lasso and lasso. You're like, no. And you're trying to pull them back, right? Because once you say it, once those words go out, I mean, they're done. You, you, you've said them. We can apologize. But the words have gone out. The words have hurt. So the, the tongue, our, our words are, are pretty, pretty powerful. And James says that the tongue and our speech, it, it's a very unruly member. Oftentimes, it, it's hard. It's difficult. It's one of those most difficult things to surrender and submit to God. So what a powerful idea then that our, our tongue, the, this most unruly member in our, in our life and our body would be surrendered to and submitted to the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit as the initial physical evidence that we've been baptized or immersed in the Holy Spirit. How incredible, how powerful, how Simple word, neat, is it? The tongue that's so unruly is used as we surrender and submit that to God. It's used now. It's going to be the initial physical evidence that we've been baptized, immersed in this incredible gift and promise of God. Now, we, we touched on this a little bit last week. It shouldn't be and should not be the only evidence of being baptized and filled in the Holy Spirit. It is the initial physical evidence. As we look at Scripture, time and time and time and time and time, five circumstances throughout the book of Acts makes a pretty strong pattern. So it is the initial and physical evidence. But that shouldn't stop there. There should be more evidence. There should be more proof in our lives that we've been baptized, that we've received this gift, that we've received this power of the Holy Spirit. There should be this ongoing fruit development process, right? Galatians chapter 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy and peace and kindness and gentleness. Oh, Self-control. We shouldn't be individuals who are baptized in the Holy Spirit, who speak in other tongues. There's this initial physical evidence, and we say, wow, God, this is powerful. This is incredible. And then we turn around, and we live a life without love, without joy, without peace, without gentleness, without self-control. Those fruits should be developed in our lives. Now, that's not our initial physical evidence of being baptized, but there should be some ongoing, continual evidence that what God has done in our life has taken root. Galatians 5, fruit of the Spirit. Ongoing evidence should mean that there's a changed life. That we used to live maybe this way for self, for flesh, and instead... 
We're choosing God. We're allowing him to guide and lead us. There's a whole host of things as we read through the word of God, spiritual growth, spiritual disciplines, things that also should take place. It's not just, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I spoke in tongues, I'm done, now let me do my own thing. We're to continually be open to, sensitive to, surrendered to, submitted to God and the power of his Holy Spirit. So, Initial physical evidence, speaking in other tongues. Speaking a language we, we don't know. But there should be ongoing evidence. Ongoing fruit and growth and development that takes place after that. So as we conclude, I want to share just a, a handful of thoughts. These are, this is not a magic formula. These are a handful of principles that if you're seeking to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, it would do well to follow these principles. Number one, how how are we baptized in the Holy Spirit? We confess. Confess our sins. Repent. Ask God that we would be clean and pure and forgiven. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, it is for the Christian. So, this is not for someone who just, oh, that looks pretty cool, I want to do that. It's for the Christian. So, if someone does not know the Lord, they are to confess and and ask God to forgive them, that they would have that, that brand new relationship be forgiven in Him. For you and I, as a Christian, if you know Jesus Christ, we're saying, God, would you clean me? Would you forgive me that I'm pure and holy and right in your sight? It begins with confessing, being pure. Secondly, we ask. We talked about last week. It's a gift that's been promised that we can receive. So we ask in faith to receive this gift. Luke eleven thirteen, Jesus said, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So we confess, say, God, would you clean me? And then we ask, God, I desire to receive this gift there's nothing these principles that we talk about this isn't a guaranteed one two three four boom it's it's 100 percent. it's still a gift we ask he's the giver he's able to give and bestow and to grant and to give that gift but some godly principles that puts us in that position we confess we ask thirdly focus focus on god we can Spend some time worshiping. Spend some time praising. Spend some time thanking him. Spend some time thinking about the gift of the Holy Spirit that he's promised. But sometimes we get very, it's very easy to get distracted, right? So we're, we're focusing on him, the gift of the Holy Spirit, as we confess, ask, focus, and then finally, speak. We speak as God enables us. And that's, that's the challenging part. That's the, the interesting part because 
Again, per- perception of baptism in the Holy Spirit. And we had the, the testimony last week. An individual saying their, their view of this baptism in the Holy Spirit is, you know, that, that God would come and, and you, you kind of give over control. And it's almost as if you feel like a robot. For many people, there, there's, there, there's that hesitancy to say, well, when I see people get baptized in the Holy Spirit, it looks like they have no idea what they're doing as if God comes upon them and all of a sudden their body and their mouth, everything just starts happening and there's no control. There is control. God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, sometimes old-time Pentecost, you've heard this phrase, that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. In other words, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is not just going to come upon you, not going to zap you, not going to just control you like, like a robot and force you to do things. We surrender. We submit. Now, it's a challenge because we're talking about that tongue that, you know, we, we have a hard time kind of taming that. And so it's, it's probably the most difficult part to try to teach or encourage people, but we speak as God equips and as God enables. And so we pray, and we praise, and we seek, we confess, we ask, we focus on God, but at some point in time, as you're there, and as you're praying, or as you're, you know, there, there, doesn't mean you have to stand. It doesn't mean you have to raise your hands, although those are certainly some things that can help us maybe as we focus on God. There's not that magic formula. But at some point, as we're praising or as we're worshiping or as we're speaking thanks and praise to the Lord, you might sense words, phrases, stuff that doesn't make sense kind of being impressed upon your heart. And there's that that place where you surrender and you submit and begin to speak what God begins to put upon your heart. He's not going to force you. You're not going to be just speaking things. It's your lips. It's your voice. But we surrender. We submit and then speak what it is that the Lord gives us. It's the power. It's the gift of God. But he's the one who equips, and who enables us. Why Pentecost? Why seek the baptism? Why experience all that God has for us? Because we are to wait on God's promises. I mentioned last week, it doesn't have to be Pentecost Sunday. It can be at any point in time, any Sunday in time, in fact, any day in in time that God would baptize in the power of the Holy Spirit. But we're to wait on his promises. And we're to receive God's power. It's power to be his witnesses. It's power to say more than we know. Power to do more than we can. And power to help us to live pure for him.